0: Can All right, Nation, billion-
1: episode seven thirty nine. Today's will be kind of subtitled, like that on the you know on the slabs. You have the name of the card, and then you have that that subtitles. Candid conversations with Cage. That's what we're going to kind of subtitle it. And guys, we you're going to have a blast from today's episode. I already have a feeling. <laughs> We've had kind of a warm up round, and I was listening to something the other day about business advice. Right, I I pack up all your guys' whatnot slabs, hundreds of packages a week, and I I need to pass the time. So sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I'm like, how do we grow Lucanation? How can we grow our business? And Charlie Munger talks about when you're starting with any idea, don't find all the reasons why it's going to work. His thought process is inversion thinking. It's find all the reasons why something wouldn't work and avoid them. So for example, when finding a business partner, find someone who has the exact same skills that you do. That's a sure way to fail. I'm lucky. I basically found someone who's the opposite. Handsome, smart, funny. I'll leave it to you guys to decide which is which on that one. But we got to talking, you know, are we doing the right things with Lucanation? You know, are, is the whatnot show profitable? Is it profitable as a consignment show? Is it profitable buying slabs off PWCC and other auction houses? Is the way to do it grading, then consigning? So we got to talking, and it was fun. And I'll kind of leave it there because we got in a whole bunch of discussions. <laughs> and then someone on from our uh, Luca Nation Network left us a comment, and I could read it to you, Cage. And I'm curious what you think. So this was on our show called How Whatnot Helps You Get a Pulse on the Sports Card Market. I like it. So I thought this was one of the best comments. And I'm curious what you think, just in general. You could take this in a million different directions. So he said, Whatnot has played a major role in prices dropping, approving every seller application under the sun, hard selling every 30 seconds on thousands of different accounts. People who have never sold a card in their life are now selling off their entire collection in a couple streams. Whatnot saturated the market at an accelerated rate, and people wonder why prices have dropped so much. If they're ever made Whatnot comps comp- public, it would destroy the market as some low-end cards go for way higher than eBay, and higher high-end cards go for much lower than eBay. It's not only the economy that is hurting the card market. Whatnot has played a major role. People have that can't-miss-out factor and spend all their money that they would spend at shows, eBay, et cetera. I like whatnot, don't get me wrong, but I think it's played a huge role in the downtrend of cards. So I thought that was one of the most fascinating, well-thought-out comments that we've gotten. And can I read you my response, and then you tell me what you think? Sure. I said, I read this comment at the cage because it rang so true. But I think we generally think of falling prices as a bad thing. Frankly, in my opinion, it's setting a true equilibrium. Where cards like base Prism PSA 10s were selling for 500 bucks for guy who, guys who never did anything, which is truly insane for the print count. I think your comment is truly one of my favorite of all time, and it made me think. Who's the genius who posted it? You want to give them some credit, give them some airtime? It's card porn, also known as cage lawyer.
0: <laughs> no, because then people will think that we, we're, we're coming up with a topic. That I just generated by putting a comment in there. So whoever it is the posted,
1: they could go to the it's go to the video. How whatnot helps you get a pulse on the sports car. Okay, that's good. There's I a pulse to, there. You're, you're, you Sometimes I like mention people's names on here, Cage, and I don't know if, if they want to stay private or public. Okay. All right. so, I mean, you're right. We yeah. should protect. We should protect the privacy of somebody who
0: commented on YouTube in the public oh, comment tell section you. no it's fine tell people you can you can find it on YouTube guys so here One here to you find it on, find, the, on the line on the line no no you take a picture you take it you put it on the line good job you you know what you just did you brought a movie quote into the episode before I did
1: you're all grown up and you're all grown
0: up and I love it I
1: love it. So what? Well, what's what's not, not working? This podcast isn't going to work and make me a millionaire. Like I've wanted to. Be All right, that's two working. topics. I'm going to be an actor. I've decided I'm going to go to Hollywood. That's good. Or yeah. Hollywood.
0: Okay. So 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 one. If you really want to be an actor, comedian, whatever it is, um, I I watched the Chappelle thing yesterday where he just mm-hmm. gave a he gave a speech because the school he went to was trying to name their their I guess like an auditorium or one of the buildings after him. And ultimately, he turned it down and said, when are you ready for me? Because, hey, I just did that one, and you guys came after me. You know, the last thing that I did, you guys didn't like it. So when you're ready for me, you can put my name right up here. But he gave a great speech, um, and I don't want to ruin it. I definitely don't want to ruin it by paraphrasing it. But, you know, if you want to do something, he gave a great kind of, like, history of how he did it. And what I took from it is, one, he had people helping him. And two, he did it his way. Right. Even when, you know, everything was great, he left and walked away and went to like he went to Africa. I mean, like he did it his way. And and you know, it, it,
1: there's but more importantly know he left Chappelle Show because Comedy Central and for basically twelve years. Chappelle Show was super pop, super famous, super popular. Comedy Central screwed him over. And he was like, I'm gonna go off the map, I'm gonna do it my way, I'm gonna walk away from it. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely right. So it's an interesting
0: thing, but the the key part there is, you know, he he <laughs> has an ego. He's like, I'm a once in a generation. I may be a once in a lifetime talent, and he means it, right? He he means it. And I think if you're going to be an actor, or a comedian, whatever it is, you have to have that in you also. Which is, you know, the, the fake quote from Ja. I didn't mind it so much because the reason why these guys get to where they get to is because they have that ego. They really believe that they're the best at what they do. And I think you. You will succeed at something because you do believe, and we always have these conversations where it's like, how come this person's doing this? I'm doing better. I don't do that. Um, and we'll get to why for for the answer, right? So so you talk about two things. One, the whatnot selling and whether or not that's the path for you. But the bigger picture of whatnot, that comment is, um, you know, you think whatnot is bad for the hobby, that it's actually causing prices to go down, and that if the data from whatnot sells everyone out there, it would be bad for the hobby. Remember the title of the episode or the point of the episode was that what not you can learn from what not. And what are we learning from what not you're learning as a potential seller on what not, what sells, what doesn't, how to sell, what people are asking for the cards people are looking for. Um, and, and a little bit of kind of like the next phase of how transactions are going to be done. It's not just card show sign up that says, don't talk to me about comps. I'm an old curmudgeon. Go away, pay my price. It's we're going to entertain you as we sell. There's going to be freebies. There's going to be spinny wheels. There's going to be a show. And some of the biggest accounts on Whatnot are all about the show. Some of the biggest accounts out there to do lives are all about the show with the shirts look at all. The show, from-
1: look at the show. Involuntary muscle spasm. Look at the show.
0: But, I mean, we all love to be entertained, right? We all look at... Drop you know, that in the comments if you know what movie that's from. Give a little movie for his muscle spasms. You know, I mean, and James does a great job of it, right? But still telling a little bit of a hobby story. The whole, the meme he put out there with the Ali G. With the PSA subs Nine, 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 point eight, eight, nine, nine, nine. Hilarious, right? So you, gotta, you gotta be a little entertaining. That comment is wrong. Okay? It's got a level of being right in it. That Whatnot is doing something to pricing and Whatnot is, you know, is impacting you know, pricing and the hobby. But it's wrong. I believe Whatnot is a, is a balance. The equilibrium you talked about in your commentary back is, I mean, it's a, it's a big word with a lot of syllables for you. But you're right, right? Um, we come on here and we talk about how certain comps just should be thrown out. You know, we do a show collectible, fractional, and we say, hey, there's a golden auction. Hey, there's a, there's a PWCC auction. This comp is from ALT. Take that with a grain of salt, guys. Why? Because you had to fund the account beforehand. And I don't hear anybody commenting about how alt is bad for the hobby because the prices you're getting on there are low. Right? Uh, Low prices. I think everybody just says, oh, the price would be higher. Right? Don't don't trust the alt comp. The price would be higher. You know, they just don't have as many people on there because you have to fund it ahead of time. Whatnot is... Legit, the pendulum in the exact opposite direction. Almost no barrier to buying, right? I mean, you just go on and you pay, right? You, 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 you have an account that's set up to buy in like 37 seconds, right? Yep. And a very small barrier for selling. So any of the issues with um, you know, the big auction houses, the vetting process, the whole deal, to buy and to sell on there is the easiest thing in the world. That creates liquidity. Now, I believe it also presents an opportunity for things to be sold probably lower, things to be sold probably higher. There are a lot of variables. Somebody who might be selling their cards who hasn't built up a following and has 10 people in there might sell a card for significantly lower than what it would sell for. They might be going live on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time and people in California are just waking up. Or ooh, There's so many variables with it that, you know, um, to say that whatnot is the reason why card prices are going down I disagree with that. I I, I truly do. I I appreciate it. I understand the point that's being made. But I think the flip side is maybe because the barrier to liquidity was so high, you didn't get a real gauge of what the prices were. And that this is part of the reason, right, that that people say buy rare stuff, buy things that don't come up for auction every month.
1: I think what what Matt does an amazing job of doing or rephrase it. What I've learned from selling on whatnot is scarcity is actually what we're looking for. The cards that sell overcomes are the cards that people haven't seen readily every single time they've opened Instagram or an auction house or eBay, and they're like, whoa, that's kind of cool. So those are the cards that sell I actually think Prism PSA 10s, as cheap as they are, are going to even find another tear down where it's like those are the now the dollar box cards because those are not rare those are not scarce and those are not in demand but my hoops
0: stuff is gonna be awesome hoops let's go I got a whole bunch of hoops coming back from PSA no so I, I get the point I understand the point um and there are layers of it that I I probably would agree with but overall what I think is whatnot just came up with another way for sellers to sell to buyers does it hurt Shows? Sure. A hundred percent. I mean, you go on whatnot and you, you know, click a few buttons and you're in a Pokemon stream. You know, you're in a, you're in a, you know, somebody selling slabs, basketball, somebody selling NFL. And if you were going to go to a show and spend your money on, you know, on an NFL card, well, you can go on whatnot. You don't have to leave your house. You know, you're probably going to, you know, not overpay. Um, you know, I saw a comment recently about a card show where somebody says, you know, on the video that I, I that that we posted about the Nationals not for buying cards. Somebody commented in there about how they go to card shows and they, you know, feel pressure to buy because I'm at a show. I, I, I mean, I spent the money to come here. I spent the money. I spent the time. I spent the, you know, the gas. I, I, I'm going to buy something, and, and you know, you, you you often leave saying I probably spent a little too much for this card, but I didn't want to, you know spend a couple hours of the show driving a whole nine yards and then leave empty handed. What's the point of going to a show? What not? You know, you got your half gallon of ice cream, you know, you're sitting on the couch, you know, you're watching BoJack Horseman or whatever it is you got on the TV behind you. And you're, uh, you know, you, you you buy or you don't buy and nobody's there, you know, giving you the hard sell. (laughs) Nobody's judging what you paid, what you didn't pay. There's probably not a lot of influencer cameras behind you saying, Oh, look at this idiot made this deal. What's wrong with him? Or I just ripped this guy off. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a different, it's a different, you know, methodology. And I think it's very necessary right now because people are getting back cards that they just don't want. People are getting back cards that they just want to get whatever they can on them. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who submitted cards to PSA, you know, and, and they've waited two years on them now. Some of them are out of the hobby. You know, some of them just yeah, say, all right, just, all right, these sell, ones, just what get I whatever it is. I, I completely forgot about these and, you know, the money's already sunk costs. Just, you know, get what you can get for it. That may not last, but there's a lot of that going on on whatnot right now. Um, and if you don't believe me, you know, every once in a while, KK Cards, the group sub, will post a story. Hey, here's 10 names. We got your subs back. Where are you? Your Instagram account is not here anymore. We got your cards. Don't you want them? You know, it happens. And a lot of stuff coming back now. I, I, I think if you brought it to a show, it might not sell. On whatnot, you start out at a buck, you know, and you know, the seller's willing to take whatever a buyer's willing to pay, you know, create some liquidity. Um, I didn't want to do a whatnot, you know, advertisement, but I will pivot off to this. Normally, we come on here, we don't talk. You know, I don't know where the topic's going to go. Andrew will tell me DeAndre Ayton's going to Indiana, and, you know, I'll do a whole thing about how he's going to Indiana, and we'll finish our episode and be like, shit!
1: That did not age well at all.
0: He was out there for three minutes and we'll talk about that. We'll get to that for the show, but I don't want to go off whatnot just yet, right? You talk about you know being able to bounce ideas off a business partner. Munger's a great idea because you know he's an old man. So he went out there and got a partner who's young and sprightly and (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, you know, he's, so but in any event, we did, we did have a little conversation, um, you know, before this episode and you phrased it in the beginning here during the show and you said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to sell and whatnot. I'm going to make some profit and make some money. Now there are people out there who are in a similar boat to you, right? They're trying to make money in the hobby, whether it's by putting out content You know, whether it's making videos, whether it's trying to buy cards and sell cards, whether it's doing, you know, group submissions, whether it's, you know, cracking slabs, you know, people are doing this stuff. And it's people who may have had some success doing it last year that are finding less success. Um, And I guess what I want to bring to the table here is this. Your success is going to depend how you measure it. Right, and this is an important thing for folks, right? So Andrew is one of these guys that always asks me, "What's my goal?" Right? He he has these probing questions. He should be like a psychoanalyst, but it's way too much school, right?
1: So it's, "What's your goal?" And I'm like, "My goal? Make that way. I'd rather just sell four dollar slabs for six dollars, and so let's get there, right? An hour. Why would I be a therapist that makes up to hundred fifty dollars an hour? So 40 hours what's,
0: what's the goal? And I'll always answer like, my goal is to have enough money to make sure I got my Chick Fil A this week. you like, forget about this week. Your goal's got to be like this. This goal. What's your goal? And finally, after you know being asked, the dream oh, is probably the
1: word I use.
0: The dream. What's your dream?
1: You yeah, know, big dream.
0: I, you know, I, I mean, my dream. I got some dreams. You know, I'm gonna. I, I don't. I don't know what my dreams are. Your, and dreams, very your difficult, dream is
1: Leah coming home from camp.
0: Early. yeah well, that will happen but here, here, the, if you're in this and you're trying to do this my my hobby involvement and I I'll, I'll, I'll be as honest as you can here I mean I have a job you know what I mean my hobby here is I want to buy some cards I want to be able to, yeah yeah so we'll get there and I want to be able to you know buy cards when I want to buy them I want to sell cards when I want to sell them I can lose money on cards I can make money on cards I have fun with it it's a you know it is a hobby I try to collect. I'm always moving my collection around. Sometimes I'm de I open packs every Friday. I got some select USC to open with Ian later. And, um, you know, I have fun with it. But it's because I am not looking at the hobby to make me a millionaire. Okay? And if that was my goal, then I'd have to plot out whether or not what I'm doing is going to get me to that goal. But if my goal was to make $1,000 a month in the hobby, that's going to require something different in the hobby than making millions. Success is going to depend on what that goal is, what you want out of the hobby. So when we talk about, oh, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm, I'm selling on whatnot, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, my first question always is, well, what's the goal? Because you can be successful. You are making money. You are making money on whatnot. You are making money cracking slabs. You are making money. But the question then becomes twofold. One, is it going to get to your goal? Is your goal making enough money that you can do this instead of a nine to five? You can do this instead of trying to work on lettuce, then fries. Then you be assistant manager. And that's when the big bucks start rolling in. <laughs> Can you do enough with cards and make enough money with cards to avoid that? And is that enough? Right? If it's not enough, I don't know whether or not consignments and cracking and all these other things are going to make you millions. And, and here's why. It's a volume, man. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. I give you a lot of credit for it because you are spending a lot of time doing it. And you have to at some point take a step back and say, all right, I sold all these cards, right? And and I made $100
1: today. But to get that $100, I worked 12 hours. I worked 12 hours. So I'm netting $8 an hour. And I'm not keeping that great of track of things. So when the IRS comes knocking, they can see the $100. So I might actually owe money after this whole endeavor. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we'll do the podcast from, from prison. And, you know, be amazing. Prison, prison might. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it'll be a lot of fun, man. So, I mean, the point there is it was easier before. It's not easy now. And more importantly, you have to know what you want out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I guess it's also harder um, now. I saw a breaker post something about not about when his breaks fill, that people are backing out. They're, hey, it was like an angry post. It was like, hey, stop, stop, you know, claiming, stop claiming teams. And then when the break fills and it's time to do the break, you back out. It's the kind of post you just didn't see a year ago. And when it, when the going was good for everyone, when there was a new grading company every week and everybody was getting their PSA 10s back really quick and flipping them, and everybody was just selling stuff for more than what they bought it for. Um, we've talked about how the hobby is no different than everything else. There are cycles. And, I mean, I mentioned this to you, right? Not because I I, I don't – I'm not trying to say, like, oh, this is horrible. You're, you're making money. It's just is it enough and is it worth your time? Especially in this environment because, you know, there are people who bought Rolexes in 2018, 19, and they sold them for a lot in 20 and 21. The people who bought them in 21 are now selling them at a loss because even the luxury watch market is going down. The crypto market is going down. You've watched NFTs. You've watched Topshop. You've watched all of these things, right? And it's tougher sledding now in the hobby. But this is taking this from a different perspective. 80% of the people who were in the hobby in 2018 will listen to the first 20 minutes of the episode and say, this is what's wrong with the hobby. It's called a hobby. The people who came in and tried to call it an industry, the people who came in and tried to call it a business, they tried to morph this hobby into something that It became for a very short period of time. And it has become that several times in its history. And it will become it again, right? The hobbyists are saying, what the hell is he talking about? We're not in this to make money and make a business out of it. You're not supposed to be able to buy a card on Sunday and sell it to somebody on Thursday for more than what you paid. That just doesn't make sense. But for a year or two, it did. That's what everybody was doing. Makes sense? sense. The hobby people are saying, "Well, I, I just want to buy cards. I want to talk about cards. I've been here for a long time, and I, you know, I, I help my cards. I enjoy my cards. I just want to own my awesome cards, my collection of whoever it is." So, one question
1: and then my take. Two for the people out there that have ambition, mm-hmm. that love. I'm not going to use the word the hobby. I'm going to use this: that love collecting, mm-hmm. that love investing, speculating. They Mm -hmm. love sports and they like cards and this whole industry. Yep. So they're ambitious and they like this industry. Yes. How do they become millionaires?
0: In the hobby over the next couple of years, they probably don't. But, but what will happen is over the next couple of years, the same thing that has happened after every other hobby boom will happen. People will leave people will come ray right? people will leave prices will come down grading costs will come down the printing of the cards will be less there will be cards that are are scarcer there will be cards that are numbered there will be cards that people can obtain and what's amazing is you know the 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 quote out there of like hey once your dentist starts telling you to buy a stock it's too late right everybody's in on it right the reason why a lot of people were able to make money in the hobby, especially the ones who were here before this boom, is because they were here before the boom. So, you want to make a million dollars in the hobby? It's easy. You just gotta stay. You gotta stay through this. by now, which we could talk about that in a second too, right? Because not a lot of people. A lot of people don't have the liquidity to buy the cards and the all nine yards right now. You gotta stay. You gotta make sure you're positioned in the right stuff. And then in a year, two years, three years, whenever the hell the next swing up comes around, after thing's kind of reset, those people can make millions. There were people who were buying the LeBron exquisite RPA for $100,000. There were people who were buying it for $10,000 if you go a window back. That's a quality asset. And then they were selling it for a million dollars. Right?
1: Is the lesson then, let's use that. The hypothetical like the buy sunday sell thursday the people that are breaking or the people that are consigning or whatever you know they're churning out 100k a year 45k or 60k but not matching their ambitious goals of like five million dollars right is it you're not going to make your, that money in your business but you might learn a lot about what the market's doing and be able to color up into the best assets and if you're able to hold through those best assets might get you to the six seven eight figures yes hundred percent
0: and breaking's right now a different animal breaking can be successful for as long as there are people who are willing to gamble so remember you're trying to do this in a way where it's not gambling right casinos make money right but a casino is not telling you come in buy chips go to your room for three days and sell your chips for more than you bought them for three days ago that was the hobby that was the hobby What the casino says is, come in, buy chips, put your chips on the table, and a few of you are going to leave with more chips. Most of you are going to leave with less chips, and some are going to leave with no chips. That's breaking. Breaking is more of gambling. There was less gambling going on in the hobby before. And even breaking was less of a gamble because the price you were paying to get in a break was less. And you were able to sell what you got out of the break for more. And you were able to sell more of what you got out of the break. So I think what you're going to see is, you know, that breaking may take kind of like part of the sports betting. You know, it might take some of the sports betting folks. It might take some of the degenerate, you know, side of the hobby. Not said in a wrong way. That's I'm not. I'm not calling you guys degenerates. Breaking may have more legs. Consignment, I'd be a little more worried about. Because what makes consignment go is hobby participants who are looking to consign their items to hobby participants who will want to buy those items. And, you, you know, didn't tell me my audio
1: wasn't good this whole episode. Your audio's fine. My, I, no issues with so, your audio at all. One of the things that I love about what we do, guys. In my twenties, I was still this ambitious. I've always been very ambitious. You know, even though like soccer was my first love. When we, when I was eight years old, I remember like I pointed this mansion to my grandma. I was like, I'm gonna buy you that house. I've always really loved business and dreaming and ambition. So like I've always had that. Uh, but in my 20s, it was like out of control, blind, in a million different directions. Probably the cage. He's like, if that was in your 20s, holy crap, right? But here's what I think the blessing for you listeners is, because this still is our number one, is the podcast. It's truly the thing that gives us the most purpose, at least for me. What I think we offer to the community the hobby that no one else does is the, the contrast. Not the contrast in that. We think of contrast as like hate, but not that contrast. It's the different, uh, visions mixing, and you guys get to be the beneficiaries of like kind of like hearing and learning. Because I think some some people are closer to where is in his career and life. They have kids. They have a stable job, and they just you know collecting. You know, they love this. They've been those. There's a lot of our listeners that are that there's a lot of our listeners who are also ambitious young people have come into the hobby in 2020, 2021 who saw it as a way to, to get rich and live the life of their dreams and live life on their own terms. And there's probably some people in the middle, but the beauty of it is these are real life conversations. This is the stuff that we do talk about behind the scenes. We've said a lot to you guys that our best episodes sometimes are the ones that have never aired because they are truly discussions about, you know, not just which card to buy or which player is going to pop off or Otani's not going to have, you know, th- this is what history says about the second half of that MLB season, Page mm-hmm. proven right again. <laughs> it's also how to view business within this industry, right? And I think you guys are the true beneficiaries of all that. When you get to listen in here and be like, oh, that resonated. Oh, I am trying to do that. Well, I mean, I don't want to sound like a perma bear, which somebody called me this week. Right?
0: Uh, somebody said, "Oh, Cage is a perma bear." He's like, "I'm always a bear," and I'm not bearish on the
1: hobby. That's um, hilarious. M- yeah. My dad's spirit animal. I we we like went through the animals. My mom is uh, a fox, a very sly woman, very scary woman, sly. My sister's a dolphin. My dad is a bear. I'm a porcupine, believe it or not.
0: Yeah, it is, I mean, I'm so a man. I'm, you remind I'm, me of Papa G. By I'm a the way, it's man. I'm a tomorrow,
1: man. Two, Happy it's tomorrow. Happy birthday. Tomorrow's our second year of the podcast going into year three. It always gets confusing. But yep. tomorrow's literally a two-year anniversary. That's right. This finishes This finishes season two of today's episode.
0: We'll celebrate. Oh,
1: what did he do? Ian hugged the ball and threw it at you?
0: Yes, he hugged the ball. Here, I'm throwing you a hug. So uh, what I was going to say is I, I'm not a bear on the hobby. I'm as bullish on the hobby as you can be. But it's because I know I will be here in 2035. So with that, I know that what I'm buying, if I buy quality items, they will be worth more at some point in the future than they are now. You can't say that about Cole Anthony's base Prism card. You can't say that about... You know, a lot of the stuff that came out, all of the optic my house inserts and stuff. I don't know whether or not they are going to carry weight, and the next upturn, you know, people are going to be looking for those cards. That doesn't say that they're not. I mean, things happen, right? Kabooms were, you know, laughable for a while. Um, but the, the, I guess the point I'm trying to make, man, is you, you say, hey, people come in and want to be millionaires in the industry, and this is part of the fun, right? And and I don't want to be bearish. We could talk fun stuff in a second too, but. It's, it's part of human nature to look over your fence. It's part of human nature to, to say – Home improvement, right? Yeah, but, but in reality, right? It's like, well, that, that guy has a nicer car and that guy's house is a little bit bigger than mine and that guy's got this and that and this. But I leave my house earlier in the morning than him. And I come back later at night than him, and I'm smarter than him, and I work harder than him. How does that guy, how does the woman across the street have more money and better this than me and the whole deal? It happens in all walks of life. It also happens in the hobby. It happens to people who are trying to make money in the hobby, and they say, hey, I work hard. Why am I not making more money than these guys? Because you're selling CSG slabs when he's selling triple logo mans, moron. That's part of it, but but take it down uh, you know, a notch down. from there, right? I mean, it, it is it you know if you really peel back the layer you, you you say how do you how does that person how does that person become a millionaire in the hobby if you and really we don't have the name names here but if you talk about the people who are millionaires in the hobby or who have made millions either on paper or on cardboard whatever it may be over the last couple of years i think it would be pretty safe to say that two out of every three if not significantly more of those people i think the number is very high i'm being you know being you know, conservative here. Two out of every three people who are millionaires now because of this hobby upturn are people who were in the hobby before the upturn. That there are very few people who were able to make millions who came in the hobby in the last year, two years. Right. There are exceptions. There are breaking companies that kind of showed up out of nowhere, but even the big breakers who you look over the fence and say, Hey, they're making money. Those are people who were here in 2012 and 2013 and 2014. and They couldn't give their stuff away and they couldn't fill breaks. Right. You know, you talk about this guy's got a, a suitcase filled with four million Michael Jordan cards. Okay. Four million dollars worth of Michael Jordan cards. Okay. But but, but you yes, when he bought them? Rips,
1: Rips comes to mind. And, it's, and this is it's such an ageless game, too, because it's the guy remember, remember he showed us his PayPal certificate from 2013 or 14, whatever. Giannis was like three hundred dollars. <laughs> Giannis Prism Silver BGS 10 for two hundred ninety nine. And I think there was actually another card in it, uh, which was like a 30, 40, probably 50000 dollars card at its peak. They 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 were able to accumulate the best stuff for eight years, nine years, and then yes. sell. And I don't know if it sold, just to be clear. And sell into the hype or strength. So a lot of it is
0: staying power, you know, and, and, and you brought up Charlie Munger, right? But I mean, you know, the old man in me wants to tell you and everybody listening that it's time in the market beats trying to time the market every single time. It's very difficult to time the market. Timing the market doesn't work, but time in the market will If you look at every time we've had a recession, I think there's been 26 or 27 of them, the market has come back and made new highs every single time. So we have a stock market, right? And right now it's not at a high. We're in a recession. Whether it's in a year, two years, three years, five years, whatever it is, the track record shows that it will come back. You just can't sit there and say, well, I want to pick a stock right now that is going to be worth more tomorrow.
1: Uh, People, so for time in the market, one of the, a few things you need, you can't over leverage, right? Because when you're over leveraged, you're forced to sell. Correct. You can't be even, let's forget you're using debt. You can't even use 80, 90% of your disposable income because that's going to cause stress, anxiety if there's a downturn, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How do you recommend people to cash flow, right? So that they're able to stay in the market and use ancillary income to buy up the good stuff. So if I had a virtual assistant, which I've been asking you to provide for me f- for two years now, okay. But if I had a virtual guys, assistant- I, I hope you appreciate how lucky you are with this with this show. Like every single day, and I don't think I don't think you miss, man. I, I don't think there's, I could maybe count on one hand some episodes where you you were a seven out of ten, maybe seven and a half, strong seven and a half, seven, solid sorry, seven strong. and a half.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when I had COVID, baby. even then I was trying to I was trying my best. We owe it to people. People are going to give us time. You got to do it. But listen, if I had a virtual assistant, here's what I would do. Okay. I would go back and I would find the episodes last year, early this year, before everything crapped out, where I was saying what I was doing. Right. And it's not too late to do this. Right. Step one, take a look at what you own. All right. And be honest. Right. Like you have a look in the mirror at yourself. Be Is this a card? That I really want to hold right now. Is this a card that if it goes down 10, 20, 30% in the next year. I'm okay holding it because I have conviction that this particular card. In two years, three years, five years. Is going to be worth more. Significantly more. If it's not, put it in one pile. If it is, put it in another. And do that over and over and over again with every one of your cards. And you know what you're going to get? You're going to have two piles. I did it. I sold Jordan inserts. Who the hell sells Jordan inserts? But there were ones that I thought to myself, if I put that in this pile and I I liquidate now those cards, especially some of the other prisms and you name it, if I liquidate those cards now, I can use that money. I'll have the cash flow. I have liquidity. I don't want to use all of it,
1: but to buy something that fits in the pile of I'm holding this. Even if it's like 40 cards in the pile of like I'm not sure and it's one card in the pile of I am. Yeah, because the, the, the 40 cards that are in the pile, I'm not sure, you sell
0: those. You sell every single one of those. And even if you turn it into two or three or five cards that That's you are sure about or one, whatever it may be. I mean, one – I mean, I, me I try to – we always talk about diversifying. But I, I've talked about it. I have, I've done it. You know what I mean? And we've had episodes yeah. where it's like sell at a loss. That was the title of the episode. And I've, 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 I've done it. But it, had I held the cards that I sold, I would, I'd be taking more of a loss now. But sometimes you have to do that.
1: Let me ask you something on that. So in my 20s, I, um, decision-making, right? We don't think about like a, that is a skill, but decision-making is a hugely important skill. And I created like a foundation for it. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Okay. What, what criteria do you have? Because that, that sounds easy in theory, one pile or another. But usually you're some – and a lot of times you're kind of in that middle. Uh, yeah, true. Is it like if it's not a sure, yes, this is going to be the – I believe in this. You, you put it in the cell pile? So if it's
0: that 50-50, right? All right. Usually I ask one question and then I'll say I would do two things. The question I would ask is, um, you know,
1: is this something – no, you it, cut the card in half. You say
0: no, half it, the card goes to like, like King Solomon. No, I I, I asked the question. It's, is 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 this something that that I'm fifty fifty on because it's something that I am fifty fifty on, or is it something that the hobby would be fifty fifty on? And usually that gets rid of a chunk of those cards. What and do when you I, mean? If I pulled a hundred people in the hobby. About that one card that I'm 50/50 on, would they also put it in the same category? Or is it something that subjectively, I am not ready to sell? Is it a Devontae Graham card, and I like him, but 99 out of 100 people would say the hell with that. Is it a, 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 you know a card that this I graded? Don't buy
1: what you love. this is a buy what you love,
0: and people will love. Buy what, if you hold a year, two or three, there's going to be more people than just you who are going to want to buy it.
1: Right. And if you can't do that, you can't make- that Remember, too? he's like, I'm not just buying to buy Griffey. I'm also buying with the idea of will someone want this card in the future? I love the Griffey, but I'm also asking the question will somebody else, I think he was Jeter, not Griffey, but will someone else want this Jeter card?
0: And here's the fun part, right? You can, if you have a half dozen cards that are in that, I don't know which pile to put them in, first of all, you can leave those. Because you're going to wind up with cards that are in the pile of sell. Generate some liquidity, you name it. You don't have to you know, be all or nothing. But if you want to make a decision on those six cards, take a picture of them. Post them on Instagram. Put them in your story. Tell people, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not sure about these cards for a long-term hold. What do you guys think? You never know. Somebody might offer you something on it that's more to your liking. Maybe a trade for a card that you would definitely put in another pile. Maybe you sell the card for more than you thought it was yourself, or, or maybe you hear crickets. Maybe you hear, why are you posting that shit? Maybe you hear nothing. And if you hear nothing...
1: This is awkward. I did a hear- CC reveal yesterday and got like three comments.
0: You're hearing all you need to hear from the silence. Move those cards to the pile of get rid of. Because really what you're trying to gauge here is is this something people are going to want when the money comes back into the hobby? It's, this, this is the deal, man. This is the deal. Gold, the this, this is
1: gold. I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking I want to be in the present moment. But I'm like, I mean, people are getting their their money's worth here. Um, uh, in the sense cool. that you've been in this for four decades and you've learned a lot, yeah, you've probably made a ton of mistakes more You're, than I care to admit, <laughs> regardless. Because you remember it back, instead of timing the market, it's time in the market. Even with all of those mistakes that you guys could go back and listen to 739 episodes worth of- And more. And and I, I sold I sold so much Conor McGregor shit. Right. Um, You're still a six, seven-figure collection. Seven. It's still So, th- So think about that, guys. And, and it's- uh. I think there's a lot of value and a lot of learnings from – you kind of think of this all as all of our episodes kind of like little chapters in a book, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> I think oh,
0: an- listen, layer in something here. As you're doing that analysis, it's okay to be wrong. Part of this whole thing that we're doing now with the make the piles, look at your card, do an analysis of your stuff. It's like I do pro and con lists. So still, you know, I take a legal pad out and I write like what's good, you know, like red light, green light. Like what are the positives, what are the negatives, and you weigh it out, right? You know what? That that's very robotic, and human emotion does play a role, and more so in our hobby than in, in in other things. More so in 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 collector. Remember, at base here, you're collecting cardboard with pictures on it of people you're probably a fan of right and in doing so especially in the, what has happened in the last couple of years your emotion is tied up not just in fandom but in the whole i'm gonna buy this and i'm gonna be right about it and i'm gonna sell it for more than what i paid for it and maybe you're holding that card of deandre ayton or maybe you're holding that card of bagley or of who the hell knows who, I, you know. You, you understand where I'm going with it. Kyle Lewis for me, right? I had to sell a shit ton of Kyle Lewis, um, you know. And maybe you
1: were Sometimes you, the maybe, hardest bag to sell is the one you're slightly profitable on. Even like you, I actually found that when it's when you're wrong, there's points where you know you're wrong, but there's points where you're like, I'm into Cade. He's actually either flat or maybe even up a little bit. And I'm like, let's, let me see if I can get just a little more. Yeah. Like you're in your gut, you're like, nah, I don't think, I don't, I don't see it. So I guess one of the things you have to do really is, is try
0: to take emotion out of it. Uh, I learned this from uh, Mike Vinegar, in Pull wax,
1: right? He told is me this. the most emotional dude on, on cards, no.
0: And I remember, he, you know, he's like, you sell this card, no, like no way, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, why do you like it? why do you want that card so much? And I said, Because it's the card I always wanted when I was a kid, blah blah blah. And he's like, Okay, you can always get that card back. Sell it now, take the emotion out. If if the answer isn't because I think it's gonna be worth more in six months or that you can't buy it or whatever it is, take that emotion out and, and get rid of it. Sometimes if you're losing money on a card, you're like, here's one of those lines that I can't and we've talked about this, so I don't want to just kill it. It's already a long episode. I hate walking around at shows. And hearing somebody ask someone how much is a card? And the dealer at the table says the price. And the person trying to buy it says, That's way too much. You know, I would give you this, like, and and you'll even hear like, hey, recent comps are this. I'll pay more than recent comps. Like I'll pay 10% more than what the last couple sold for because I really want the card. And the dealer will say, I can't do that because I'm into it for too much. You ever heard somebody say that? Just I, can't, I can't I can't sell that card for that because I'm into it for X. You have to take that out, right? That's a sunk cost, right? And and this is for your own collection, right? It's it's difficult to say I paid a thousand dollars for this card and it's now six hundred. And I, I could get six hundred dollars for it because that means you're losing forty percent, you're losing four hundred dollars. But the analysis, you have to take what you paid out. Keep that record for tax. Purposes in the whole nine yards, sure. But take what you paid out, look at the card, and what it's worth now, what you think it's going to be worth in the future, and what you can do with that six hundred dollars. And is there something else you'd rather put that six hundred and the next three hundred and the blah into that has a better chance of, you know, turn, or, you know, returning money in whatever time frame you're looking to do, or get you in a card you want to hold long term. That's th- this is what I've basically been doing for the last twelve months. I said it leading into the end of the year. I'm gonna get my collection down to you know 25 cards. I'll tell you guys what all of them are, and that'll be all I own. You know what I mean? Right now, my PWCC vault has seven cards
1: in it. And Mike Trout gold PSA 10 from his rookie year. Montana 10. Montana rookie. 10.
0: No, uh, there's a Rice rookie 10. Yes, a Montana. Duncan rookie, gold. gold. The Duncan gold, yes. Present. Jordan Fleer 10. No, I have that at home um it's okay
1: I got booby traps
0: everywhere I'm like data
1: anymore you any your Bowman Mariano Rivera Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm.
1: no you sold all of them
0: I have one wow. but not not in the vault
1: God, I one so of the that one. is true to, so that's this is where the 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 gravel hits the road no, yeah. the rubber hits the, the road. rubber hits the road cage loved that card Love that card. Loves Mariana Rivera. Loves. I game. loved
0: it at four or five hundred dollars, and I sold it at $1,750, 1,200. $1, I sold as much of them as I can. I mean, I bought, I, I, I bought thirty six of them. You know, when I was telling everyone to buy sent, these things, I think too, you right? sent a
1: few as a gift, which, was, which I thought was. I've like $1,
0: I've $1, given $1, away a ton of them, a ton that of them. which is craziness. That's just like the ultimate flex.
1: But that Big card, addition.
0: if it keeps coming down, will be one that I move into the pile of. I think we will go back up. There are plenty of cards like that in well, You know, cards.
1: you know how it moves. I, I was, you know, I, I often think a lot of these. I think assets in general have more of a rhythm than people realize. If you, if you, before you buy, if you watch list, you kind of. It's easier with stocks because they chart the hell out of them. I mean, card yeah. ladder doesn't, mean – but it does have this rhythm that you could figure out. And if you're in it, you you know it even that much more. Lucanation, 47 minutes. This is one of those episodes that's so information dense that I would go back and maybe less than one, two or three times, right? We only remember 10, 15, 20% of the data. You guys know this from school. You could have been in class for 50 minutes, the teacher was doing his thing, but you come out you're like, oh, I, I remember this, this, and this, but I, I, I need to re-listen to it. I think this is one of those that's so dense in information, you're gonna wanna go back. The goal, by the way, of this is not for you to run screaming
0: from the hobby. Not to be like, wow, you know, wow, this guy's such a bear, You know, there's no money to be
1: made. Do you get those messages? Because that's absolutely not the vibe at all.
0: I I do. I get, hey, you know, we listen to your message. Wow, it's a really somber tone. Like, should I just sell everything? I get that all the time.
1: No, those people are not sophisticated enough to be in the hobby and they're going to leave. That's not true.
0: You, Before you do all the crap we just talked about, you have to ask yourself, what do you want out of the hobby? Just like you have to ask yourself "What do you, – I'm tying this all together, brother. What do you want out of what you're doing? Do you really want to make a million dollars? Because you want to make a million dollars, you're not getting there with what you're doing.
1: You want to make a million dollars? Guys, I'll tell you. Cage and I have got into it quite a bit in these two years and got into what? it. With, we love each other. We respect each other. But it's like I don't always – the somber tone or whatever those messages are are because Cage likes to see people win. Yeah. More importantly, he doesn't like to see people who are trying to get to their goals, but he knows they're going to run into a wall on the Correct. way there and break their freaking face. I will say this,
0: and, and you clip this uh, from every way till Sunday. People who buy the right things in the hobby, who have been here for a while, they will make money in the hobby going forward. People will do better in the hobby. There will be some point in the future where there are cards you can buy now that will be worth more. I know that's just you know, a stupid generalization you have to buy the right cards and you have to be willing to wait. If you are somebody who looks themselves in the mirror and says, that's not why I came into this hobby. I came here because I liked the quick flip. I came here because there was money to be made in a quick boom, boom, boom kind of thing. And that's what you enjoy. Maybe go to break in. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, you can still make money, but there's a gamble. You know, maybe you'll get into 10 breaks a week. And if you hit on two of those 10, maybe you can make some money doing that way. Maybe you get the rush of, of you know, that kind of, you know, gamble, quick fix, you know, hit kind of stuff. Um, the, I believe that the market, you know, is trending away from where it was the last couple of years where you could come in and just buy and immediately resell for more money. Um,
1: I, just, I'd like to say from personal, like self-awareness is a great skill, knowing oneself basically. So the people with those somber tone messages, I'm one of the optim. I'm, I think I'm, I'm a very optimistic oh, yeah. person, but if you stay in optimism, you become naive. Yes. So if you don't understand that you need people around you who also take your optimism and say, okay, keep your optimism, but understand the reality of the situation, if you don't understand and know yourself enough to, instead of being like, hey, you're a cynic, being like, hey. What can I take out of this that might help my, guide my optimism in the right direction? You're really missing out. You want me to lead the horse to
0: water, or what Please. do we tell? What do we tell people to do here? What do we do with the water? And the...
1: we lead horses to water and then teach them how to drink. We lead the fish to the water. Remember That's that. Right. That's right. We lead That's the right.
0: fish to the water, right? Come on, don't don't. Dude, don't, there's so
1: don't. many frogs in this little lake <laughs> next time. These frogs, they're the cutest things ever. And I was jogging the other day, dude. The frogs, like they're like pretty sizable. And it saw me coming, and it started, like, you know, like, frogging away. And it couldn't move fast enough, and it hit its face on the concrete. You scared a frog and injured it. Well done. Well, well, at night, they come out. I think it's a little colder, and the bugs come out, so that's when they eat them. But there's, like, a running trail around this little lake. And I was running at night. And the frog was there, and it saw me coming, and they're trying to get away. I was never going to hurt a frog. I think they're the cutest. But it couldn't <laughs> skip away fast enough. And on one of its skips, it couldn't get a speed out in front of it, and it face planted, literally right into. It, it was hilarious. Obviously, didn't hurt. It was like contrarian here, leading a
0: fish to water, right? Because sometimes you just got to tell people an idea, right? You say, "Oh, well, fine." When when the market is this way, I'm a contrarian investor. I'm somebody who looks. What I try to find are areas of the hobby or any other, you know, investment area where everyone is beating the shit out of it, but the fundamentals are there. So what we just talked about is, um, that there's going to be this kind of like a headbutting here in the hobby of the people who are willing to wait and the people who want that quick, instant gratification, that liquidity. And I'm talking to you collectible and rally. Nobody's looking there right now because everybody's expecting liquidity. Everybody's beating them up. There's Twitter, you know, or, you know arguments being made about like you know, why would you do this? Why would you invest in this? And you, you put your money in, and you can't get your money back out. There's no liquidity. I believe, and it's just one example. Remember, I don't have a collectible account. I'm not invested in any of these things, so I'll say that up front, but I would be taking a look now because everybody's kind of running from those things because there's no liquidity. If you have that longer-term view and you're going to be willing to put your money in and not expect it out in six months, not expect it out in a year. And you're willing to hold those platforms right now, with potentially some items at a discount, allow you to get your investment money into high quality assets where no one's really looking at them. And, and yes, it may be difficult for you to get that money out in the next month, six months, definitely not at a profit depending upon, you know, how you, but in a year or two years, depending on the economic situation, the whole deal, you know, a Mickey Mantle PSA 8 or, you know, a comic book or, you know, whatever it may be that the offerings that are there that that kind of have gotten, you know, baby thrown out with the bathwater and the liquidity stuff, you're in now a quality asset. You've got a longer window of investment and I think that you know, right now, no one's really looking at this. And as long as you understand that maybe those platforms are not supposed to be generating instant liquidity for you to buy and day trade those items. Maybe you're supposed to be able to get in. And if you have a longer vision of the investment, maybe that's a place to kind of look. Just throwing it out there as, a you know, leading the fish to water.
1: One of my favorites, for sure. I, I think there's um, there's a lot that you guys could take away from this um realistic also, expectations good yep foresight thinking long term instead of day to day yep really auditing your collection yep my 32nd take on DeAndre and there's going to be this <laughs> yeah um, we got to get to that right you guys remember that girlfriend you had whether high school college maybe after you knew it was a fucked up relationship You guys broke up. Let her go. Then you saw her with some other guy. And you're like, fuck. I want (laughs) her back. You get her back. But you still know it's fucked up.
0: All right. My 30 seconds is you got all you needed to know about Kevin Durant to the Suns. When you saw what happened yesterday, what you were told by the actions of the Suns were that they were nowhere near a deal for Kevin Durant. Because this signing of um, DeAndre Ayton makes it tougher for a Durant deal to happen now. It doesn't
1: make it impossible. I thought, but how? They, they need trade bait. If they let Ayton go, they wouldn't have anything to offer for him. But Ayton can get it, traded it. for a year. So, so the deals where Ayton could
0: potentially go to a third party and draft picks and other things were coming from the Suns to the Nets. Clearly, there wasn't much in the way of traction on that, um, and they didn't let him
1: walk and lose the trade. Was, asset.
0: Once that happened, a hundred percent. But this is one of those things, right, where where that Indiana, you know, deal did not come out of nowhere, right? That Indiana, you know, offer. The Suns have had time to kick the tires on Durant and get other teams involved in the whole deal. Now, Eaton can't be traded, right? Uh, unless he wants to go. Unless he wants to go, a hundred percent, and. Here's the other thing, just a, 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 like a real like, layer on this. This was the fastest that a match has ever been done in the NBA. It actually took the Suns three minutes to match the Pacers. That's what it was. And here, yeah, wow. Because it was a fake signing. It was not a real – the Pacers never expected to actually land Aiton. And here's what I'll tell you. People don't know the nuance of this here, your little little fun stuff. You can put terms in that offer sheet. And those terms then also have to be matched. Terms like a balloon payment, that if he signs for $132 million, the, the second he puts a pen to paper, we have to—we owe him $10 million. You can put no trade clauses in. You can put all kinds of stuff. Like, like it's a four-year contract, but he has the ability to get, uh, request a trade or get out of the contract in, in two, after two years instead of four. Like you can put all of these things in there. It's sort of like what, what is known in, in the world of finance as a poison pill. Remember we talked about that, right? Those can be put on there. If you really want the guy, you put those on, you attach them, and it makes it harder for his team to sign a matching sheet because they have to match the terms. Do you want to know what terms were on the Aiton qualifying offer from Indiana? Kendall- None. Moved with None. Zero. They didn't add anything in there. It was the easiest decision for the Suns to make for exactly what you said, which was they can't just let him go for nothing. You know what I mean? They can't get nothing for him. So He's not not a bad
1: player. I mean, I think his stock has been beaten up a little bit this season, but not bad. Very fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting stuff, you know? So, I mean, I also think it makes Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks probably more likely. Um, Six first-round picks? I mean, that's not going to happen either. But kind of, kind of an absurd amount of picks. No, but, you know, there was, the there Knicks was have never had a good first round pick anyway. Correct. They waste their picks. No, I, I think, you know, Mitchell being part of a Suns trade and the whole nine yards is now also, you know, less likely <laughs> thing. Listen, we'll see what happens. Durant may stay there. I mean, the Suns' initial offer may become more attractive to the Nets when there's no other offers <laughs> and Durant forces them to take it. You, n- you never know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely need to comment on that because we did our episode yesterday. And by the end of it, it was almost kind of like loot. No, no waiting into the Pacers. He's cardboard. He's covered relevant again. Guys, before I go on the somber tone, I love the, I love the hobby, and I can't wait for the national. I can't wait to see you guys all there. Um, and maybe you could take some of the you know the the tips from today and walk into national with a little more liquidity, a little more you know laser focus on what you want your collection to be, and maybe you're able to make some moves at the national, some trades, some buys, some sells. Um, that help you, you know, position your your collection for you know success in the long term.
1: Guys, help us help you. Um, <laughs> I, I I know very few. I'm not going to compare it to anyone. I do everything in my power to over deliver, even <laughs> at my own peril. But there's <laughs> only so much I can do if you guys don't follow instructions. Now, this is anyone specific, and it's not anyone's fault, but just. We do – it's a daily podcast, but we also, like, mix in announcements. Remember that we mix in those announcements. If you follow the directions, it will be to your own help. Like I, I, Yeah, to your own own benefit.
0: And for the folks who are asking about Cigar Night now after the guest list is closed and all that other fun stuff, and after we spent a couple of weeks, you know, telling people you got to see it, email us in the whole nine yards, um, stay tuned. Right, because if you're coming to national and you are, you know, looking to hang out, smoke cigars, you name it, I have a feeling I'll be able to accommodate you guys as well. I'm bringing a lot of damn cigars, I'm gonna be there from Wednesday to Sunday, so um, you know, no one's gonna get left out. It's not how we roll here, we don't leave anybody out.